Hey everyone, welcome into the NKY Bracketology Podcast. I'm your host Hunter, joined today with Michael and Zach. We're here to talk some bracketology, um, and then we're going to get to some of your all's questions here in a little bit. Um, so just kind of starting, um, just wanted to say thank you for everybody that's been tuning in and listening. Um, this week we had a lot of interaction with some of our listeners, lots of questions, lots of back and forth banter, so thank you. Um, special shout out to, I think it's Rekka Matt on Twitter. Um, he is a Texas Tech fan, but he gives us some of the best questions we get week after week. Um, so he just deserved like his own little shout out, I thought. Um, <clears throat> so we'll start today with the seed list and then we'll go through the bubble um, and just kind of talk about that first and then we'll get into the questions. Um, so for the one seeds, I have Purdue, Houston, UConn, and North Carolina. Um, two seeds, I have Tennessee, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Kansas. And then three seeds, I have Marquette, Dayton, Baylor, and Creighton. Um, stopping there, the one seeds are pretty intact. Um, the two seeds, the first three two seeds are pretty clear. Um, there was a little bit of debate for me with Kansas and Marquette, um, but I ultimately chose Kansas. Just their elite wins are just a little bit better right now. Um, but it's a very close debate. And with the head-to-head, if you put Marquette at the two and Kansas at a three, I wouldn't be upset by that at all. Um Finally, I moved Creighton up to a three seed. Auburn dropped a, over a full seed line, five overall spots for me um, with their loss to Alabama. Um, so they're on the four line now. I just, there's not enough there at the top end of their resume to keep them up if they don't win some of these quad one games. So Hunter, was really quick, where would Auburn be if they had beaten Alabama? Probably the top of the three line, maybe even in discussion for the two, bottom two seed. I mean, I had them at number, I think, 10 overall on Monday. So they were right on the – like they were in the upper tier of the three seeds anyways. So Um, that was a pretty significant swing. Yeah, and it's more – I'm – seeding is really based for the committee off of predictive metrics. They lean into those to help seed teams. So Auburn was getting a big boost for having those like – predictive metrics that they have the issue is i'm not going to keep going with just predictives until right. start winning quad one games. at some point you got to start winning quad one games no matter how good yeah. you you appear to be i mean and they've yeah. only played three and we'll see how they'll play more obviously as the sec continues to get going but they're gonna have to well i them. i mean i definitely expect them to win some of their home quad one games it's not as many so as you think they'll, they'll pick them yeah home, there's sure. not that for home quad ones it's basically Auburn will just be a dangerous five seed it's basically tournament time the only ones that are uh that are home quadrant one games that you're playing in the sec obviously tennessee is one alabama and kentucky that's it and do they get all three of those teams at home? I don't have their schedule in front of me. Uh, Auburn is playing. Let's see. So they are they playing. They play Alabama at home. They play Kentucky at home. They do not play Tennessee at home. They do play them on the road. Okay. So they only get two quadrant one games at home, it looks like. So, I mean, and then you've got to look at, like, Ole Miss is 61st in the net. Yeah. And they're down. Right. So, Auburn, yeah, that's going to be a quadrant one game, but that's going to be closer to quadrant two. Yep. Um, looking through, I don't see any of their other games popping up into quadrant one, but I could see 
one of them potentially falling out of quadrant one. Yep. And they are they're all of them that are quadrant one or quadrant one B at the moment, including Mississippi. Yeah. Well, and including, uh, Tennessee. Yeah. Right. So yeah, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Alabama are their quadrant one and quadrant one. Well, one A game, although the Kentucky one at home is quadrant one B as well. Yeah. So Alabama and Tennessee are these two games to circle. Yep. Um, they need those to stay up if they're going to fight for a three seed or yeah. something like that. Um, so moving on, um, four seeds, I have Alabama, Auburn, Kentucky, San Diego State, uh, Duke, Iowa State, Oklahoma, Illinois, BYU, Clemson, Utah, and Colorado State. Um, that gets us down to the sixth line. Um, so then starting our seven seeds, I have Texas Tech, Memphis, Utah State, and FAU. Um, from the four and five seed standpoint, there wasn't a whole lot of movement. Um, Illinois is one of those teams that I feel like I should have higher. I just, I, I don't love what they've got in the top quadrant. Um, there's and, not much there. Yeah. And some of those wins are just empty wins yeah. at this. Um, like the FAU win, it's a great win on paper. FAU sounds great. That's not that great of a win anymore. And it's their and best then, win. Yes. And because the other quad one win is Michigan state. And that was a home game and Michigan state's not that great not right opinion. now yeah um and the only and i've said this for a while the only way they're gonna really move up is if they get a win that's better than florida atlantic and the only ones that would qualify mm-hmm. in the big 10 are wisconsin and and uh purdue so they might move up if they could win at ohio state and then at michigan state yeah that would make a difference getting some road wins road wins are like gold yeah or, that's that's what you need. Those are the gold standard of yeah. uh, wins. So getting one or both of those would really help. Um, <clears throat> but other than that, they have the last three games of the year are going to be really decisive yep. for them. They go to Wisconsin, they host Purdue, and then they go to Iowa. Those will be a big ones, especially if Iowa is so, still fighting for a tournament spot, which not sure yeah. they will be. No, they're a little bit on the out, but they're still a quadrant one win right now. So. Theoretically, that should still be a quad one game. And we don't know where they will be, you know, in a six weeks' time now. Yeah, yeah. Go on. So that could very well be a big mover come right before championship week. Um, looking at it, so I'll go ahead and address the Big 12 now. Um, I've decided I'm going to quit punishing these teams for their lackluster non-conference schedules that are up in the single-digit seed range. Um, it's not what the committee typically does. There's some precedent like Kansas state being a three seed last year where they don't get punished for having a non-conference strength of schedule in the three hundreds. Um, it's time they've shown that they can win the big games in the big 12. So I've decided like teams like Iowa state and Texas tech, like I'm going to stop giving them as much of a hard time and start just seating them a little bit more fairly where they should be right now. Um, according to their metrics and everything like that. That being said, when we get to Kansas State and TCU and Cincinnati around the bubble, those teams are absolutely going to be punished for that. There's precedent for it. They did it to Rutgers a couple years back. They did it to Clemson a couple years back where they left them out. So it's you, if you're going to do the poor strength of schedule, you better win in conference. Um, so that's going to be something to kind of keep an eye on now as well. Um, moving on, I dropped Memphis a good bit. Um, their metrics are just too poor. 
uh, it's time to start considering where they're at and like what they have to do to like really help that. And they need to start beating. We've talked about this a lot. They need to start beating teams like they're supposed to. Um, no more playing around with these lower tier teams. It's time to just start beating teams by 20 plus. And their good wins aren't as good as we thought they were. Yes. They've got, I think, six Quadrant 2 wins yep. as of last night, which is great. Good for you. That doesn't get you a high seed. No. That gets you in. Not unless they're uh, really close to being Quadrant 1, and most of them aren't. Most of them are Quadrant 2B at yep. this point, yeah. Uh, and then they only have one Quadrant 1 win, and that is at Texas A&M. So that is an – I'll give them elite win for that. Uh, it's not, like, elite elite, yeah. but it's a good win. Um a&M's 39th in the net. That's a road victory. That's good. Yeah. But like some of these wins over Clemson and Virginia and VCU and Arkansas just don't look great anymore. Like I know it sucks because those sound like great teams. Like Memphis did well scheduling. No qualms with their schedule whatsoever. Just those teams have to put it on the court and they just haven't this year. If Clemson can win at Duke today, maybe Clemson can go up to quadrant one. So the, right now, Memphis is a pretty yeah. big club. Is wearing uh, what is it? Clemson orange today. They would definitely be a Clemson fan this year. Yeah, because yeah. they're thirty-one in the net. So if they won today, they sure. move up. Yeah, I guarantee it. Yeah. Um. Same thing with SMU. Um, they're not in my bubble picture, but they are thirty-fifth in the net right now. If they could move up to 29th, they would potentially be a quadrant one home win. That would be big for Memphis as well. I actually dropped the SMU down to the fringe bubble. Uh, they have nothing on their resume. Oh yeah, it's a it's an empty metric, but the metric's still sure. what we used to yeah. team, so it would help. Um, all right. So moving on, um, eight seeds are New Mexico, St. John's, Nebraska, and Texas A and M. Um, nine seeds are South Carolina, Indiana State. Princeton, St. Mary's. Indiana State, Princeton, and St. Mary's are a grouping of automatic qualifiers that are leading their conference right now. I don't know what to do with them. Um, you could also throw Grand Canyon in here. Um, so for now, I've got them on the nine line. If the bracket was coming out today, I'd probably lean towards the 10 seed area. But for now, I want to see some of the teams below them actually come up and do something. Um South Carolina was the big mover, um, came from an 11 all the way up to a 9 by wow. beating um, – I mean, they just dominated Kentucky. They sure did. I was a little yeah. lower on them than others, so they deserved to move up. That's That was just, the win they needed. Yeah. Because, yeah. again, we've, we've talked about them a little bit, but, like, their resume just didn't have any substance to it. Nope. Wins, but – I think, like you've said, Mike, like kind of empty calories, and yeah. now they finally have something of substance. Half of their wins are still quadrant four. Yeah, but now having Kentucky, that 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 that's a big deal. Yeah, so that gives them two quad one wins right now. Both of them are right on the border. They're both quadrant yeah. one B, but they're both quadrant one for now. Um, They've got to avoid any quadrant three or quadrant four losses, but they only have two quadrant three and one quadrant four game left. So hopefully they'll win those three and then pick up some decent wins throughout their schedule. Yeah. Um, but I know a lot of South Carolina fans have been wanting me to push them higher. They, This is what they needed to do that. 
um, beating Arkansas by 13 on the road is still is a solid win. It's not great, but it's solid. And then following that up by what they did to Kentucky. But yeah. but now they need to continue it and make sure they don't fall to Missouri at home. Absolutely. It's a, it's a Missouri team that yes they're eight and eleven yes they're zero and six in the SEC but they're a tough bunch and be they've ready. been right through a lot of these teams like South Carolina's yeah. resume area yeah um, and then I mean they can go lose to Tennessee on Tuesday if they beat Missouri yeah I no upset like I wouldn't be upset at all if they go lose to Tennessee by ten or fifteen which is probably it, what they're projected to lose by too yeah yeah so that'll be totally yeah possible. yeah yeah from. So moving on to our 10 line, I already talked about Grand Canyon. Um, they're kind of in that AQ bubble with the other three on the nine line. But then we've got Boise State, Northwestern, Villanova. And then 11, we have Seton Hall, Mississippi State, Michigan State, Kansas State, Texas. And then 12 seeds, we have TCU and Nevada as the last two automatic qualifiers. So I have Nevada. At, as at large last. teams, right? Correct. Um, of note, Oregon is the automatic qualifier right now, so Nevada would be out if um, Oregon did not have the automatic qualifier for the Pac-12. Um, with that, I've got three Big 12 teams on my last four in category. That can't happen, I know that, but this isn't a bracket, this is a seed list. Um, it's really going to – those three all have weak strength of schedules from the non-conference – and there's not a ton on their resume. If you told me Texas was a 9 or a 10 seed, I'd be fine with that. But right now, I have them on the 11 line. I just I want to see some consistency, and I want to see more from them. Um, I finally dropped Seton Hall, and then Villanova took a big hit. They went from the 8 line to the 10 for me. Um, Seton Hall, I've, I've heard a couple people talk about it, but they got really lucky with some injuries to other teams. Bryce Hopkins... Um, a couple of Marquette players got hurt. Donovan Klingon was out when they beat Connecticut. And Patino was out when they beat St. John's. Like, if you take any of those four and put those guys back, we could be talking different results and Seton Hall not on the bubble. So, yeah, they they seemed like kind of the uh, – like they were going to have a Cinderella run in conference. And then just – they they dropped the, their last two games and now it's kind of like, all right, like the, the show is over kind of. I think the Creighton loss took a lot out of them. Yes. Anytime you lose a triple overtime game at home, I mean, that's going to be demoralizing. And then, yeah. you know, you play a Providence team that had only beaten DePaul since, uh, since Bryce Hopkins got hurt and then you lose at home to them. That's yeah. Tough. Yeah. I was really willing to look past the uh, Creighton game because yeah. like triple overtime versus Creighton who's a three seed for me isn't a bad loss no. but then you pile it on with Providence and now I'm like okay you're on fraud alert and mm-hmm. their metrics are terrible speaking of uh, speaking of Villanova you mentioned they're now 11 and 8 after the loss to uh, St. John's yes if they're they're playing in Hinkle to this weekend against uh, Butler if they lose that game and fall to 11 and 9 they could be in serious trouble. If they lose today, they they might end up on the in Dayton. Yeah, um, I, I would, that I would drop them all the way out, um, just because the last team in is just so weak right. right now. So I don't know that they would fall all the way out, but they would definitely fall 
a good little bit. And I mean, they have they're at Butler, which is not an easy place to play. Never Nova, is. Nova really struggles with Butler at Hinkle. Even um, when and, even when Villanova is really good. Absolutely. I mean, it was always their kryptonite, even when Jay Wright was there yeah. and they were winning titles. Um, then they get Marquette on Tuesday, so it's possible this three game losing streak turns into a five-game losing streak real quick. Mm-hmm. And then they have Providence on the fourth, and then they try which won't be an easy game either. Nope. So, I mean, they could be really looking at a struggle here. They the could be looking time. at 12 and 10, you know, within the next yeah. week or so. Yeah. And, and the only thing they've beaten since the turn of the year, they beat Xavier in a game they shouldn't have won. Right. They went six minutes without scoring. Xavier handed them that game. Mm-hmm. They beat DePaul. Yeah. That's it. I'm not saying we use any recency, but, like, they don't have a ton on their resume. The only two good teams they've beaten in conference play are Creighton and Xavier. They've lost, They've beaten DePaul twice, and then they've lost to everybody else. And they don't have so, any more games against DePaul, which, which, you know, that matters, too. Yeah. I mean, they're going to they're gonna be a really interesting case study here down the stretch because their wins are great, but those losses are also great. Or like Not terrible. great, yeah. Yeah. Like, you lost at Penn, that's a quadrant three. You lost to St. Joseph's, that's a quadrant three. Um, you lost to Drexel, that's a quadrant three. Like, none of those look good. No. Um, Kansas State is a quadrant one loss, but they're sitting at 71st in the net. That's very possible that's a quadrant two loss soon. Um, so, yeah. Especially when Iowa State – oh, wait, no. Iowa State plays Kansas. No, yeah. but Houston. They play Houston today. today. Especially in Houston, thumbs up. Yeah. So I don't know what to think of Villanova. They've always they've been a struggle. They've just been kind of hovering between a seven and a ten all year. Yeah, they've had a lot of conversation about them because of that. Like they're, I mean, they beat North Carolina, they beat Memphis, they beat Texas Tech, um, they won at Creighton. Sorry, I missed the Creighton game. So they did win at Creighton. Um, that was my fault. I looked over that a minute ago. Um, so if you take that Creighton road win away, I don't know that they're in the tournament right now. Yeah. Um, and then other than that, uh, Michigan State fell. They were at the top of my 10 line on Monday. They are now at the middle of my 11 line. They're just outside of the first four end games just because of their metrics. But if you told me they were playing in Dayton right now, I wouldn't question it one bit. Um, moving to the first four out, um, I have Wake Forest, Georgia, Colorado, Providence, and then the next four out are Virginia, Washington State, Ole Miss, and Cincinnati. Ole Miss, I have a real problem with Ole Miss because their resume metrics are great. They should probably be in if it were ending today. Just their predictive metrics are really bad, and they don't have a great resume. Um, I want to see them put more substance on paper before I push them in. Uh, other than that, You'll welcome be- to... I wanted to say welcome to Green Bay for getting in the tournament. Yeah. Um, they're a 16 seed um, automatic qualifier out of the Horizon League right now. Um, Charlotte is our American League uh, Conference automatic qualifier right now. So that pushed another team out um, The Charlotte did as well. Um, other than that, Lafayette, they did not win a game in non-conference play. They are undefeated in conference play right now. So welcome to the field. I don't know if you can keep it up, but welcome to the field for now. 
Questions, comments, concerns, guys? Well, I think it's interesting with Ole Miss that after they finally uh, got a good margin of victory uh, in their last game against, what was it, uh, Arkansas, that, that now they're out of the field. But I, I also understand because they only have one, one quarter and one win, and 13 of their 16 wins are quarter and three and four. Yeah. Well, and they've had two they had two non-conference opportunities to do anything. They beat Memphis at home, which yeah. was a quadrant two win. And then they won at UCF, which is barely a quadrant one game right now. And that's their only quadrant one win. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a lot about Auburn not having a great resume and being super high. I'm going to pull up real quick Auburn and Ole Miss's resumes because they're kind of similar from the quadrant standpoint. Um. But I want to explain, like, kind of why they're like they are. So, Auburn's net is 7. Ole Miss is 61. Auburn's Ken Palm is 44. Ole Miss is 66. Um, Auburn's strength of schedule is 103 – or 186 for non-conference strength of schedule. Ole Miss's is 317. Um, so, this is a resume metric here. But strength of record is 10th for Auburn and then 14th for Ole Miss. The other resume metric is KPI, and that has Auburn at 11 and Ole Miss at 16. I, it's hard to look at a 14 and a 16 for resume metrics and keep them out, but I'm just I'm not sold on this team at all. Um, they don't have any bad losses, but Auburn has six quadrant two wins, so that gives them a six and three record in quadrants one and two. Ole Miss is one and two in quadrant one, and then two and one in quadrant two bringing them to three and three in quadrants. Yeah. Um, other than that, Ole Miss has 13 quadrant three and four games, whereas Auburn has 10. So that's just kind of the breakdown of why Auburn's so high and then why Ole Miss is so low. I had that. Somebody had questioned me on that. And, and, just, I, and just to give you an idea, we're not – Ole Miss has now played a third of their of their uh, SEC games, and their overall strength of schedule is still just 125. Yes, and like I said, that matters on the bubble, especially. Um, so that's why, like, Auburn's not getting deemed as hard as Ole Miss is. The good thing for uh, Ole Miss today, we're going to find out a lot because they have to go to College Station and play Texas A&M. And then they host Mississippi State, they host Auburn, and then they go to South Carolina and go to Kentucky. Talk to me in two weeks and we'll know a lot more about this team. The only game they play the rest of the season that is not a quadrant one or quadrant two game is a home, is the home game against Missouri on February seventeenth. It's possible that the row one by March second isn't quadrant one or two either, but that those are the only teams. Missouri it looks like the only game that will be not quadrant one or two. They have a schedule full of opportunity, but I'm not going to put them in if there's something like two and eight in quadrant one. No. Um, that'll kill their strength of record, that'll kill their BPI, and they'll drop. Yeah. Um, so I'm in wait-and-see mode. Um, I know that's been the kind of divisive person that a lot of us have talked about in bracketology um, landscape is where to have Ole Miss. A lot of people are going with keep them in for their resume metrics. If this was Selection Sunday today, I would absolutely put Ole Miss in the tournament. It's not I'm using a little bit of predictives to help me kind of guide that. So that's where I'm at with Ole Miss. And the only quadrant one games that uh, Ole Miss will have at home will be Auburn and Alabama. And I'm sure they will be underdogs in both. Yeah. I expect Ole Miss to fall 
pretty quick. Not gonna lie. They certainly could. One one thing that's interesting, uh, focusing on some of the um, kind of the team from like the the, the one bid league kind of areas, like the Princeton, the Grand Canyon, the Indiana States, and all them. Yep. You reach a point in the season where you can feel like they feel the weight of the at large issue, where like, oh my God, if we take this loss, we may we may not make the tournament. Yeah. And I think we've started to see it with Grand Canyon where they lost to Seattle. They barely beat um, Stephen F. Austin earlier in the week. Yeah. And you're, you know, we'll probably see that with, with more with Princeton too. We all, we saw Indiana state barely get past uh, UIC um, a few night, couple nights ago. It, it's really, really tough. Yeah. And I mean, anytime that we're asking a team to go with like one, maybe two losses in a conference season, it's just pretty much impossible um yeah road environments are too hard to play at ask green canyon at seattle yeah yeah well and the the thing is too hunter i think you talked about it a couple weeks ago like because of like for mid and low majors their non-conference schedule being so dictated by by games like they they get thumped by Purdue and Houston and some of these other teams. So like they're like Indiana state looked really good in non-conference play, but the gap between them and say like a middle, middle of the road, Missouri Valley. Team oh yeah. Probably isn't like super great. So then you no. start playing on the road. Yeah like for a week in conference play and it just, it starts to wear on you and you pick up a loss or two that you maybe shouldn't. Yeah. And I mean, they lost to Drake, uh, Indiana state did. And I'm not super upset about that one. Yeah. Uh, Looking at their schedule though, they don't play another quadrant one game. Mm -hmm. I think their peak is where they're at right now. Like I don't think their feelings any higher. I think they can only go down. Um, if you made me bet on if they'd be a 10 seed or a 12 seed come March, I'm probably going to say a 12 seed. Um, I think it, I think it depends on how they win. Like, I'm not entirely sure that like any, anything. I'm sure that the teams that they're going to beat going forward are not really going to boost their resume, but if they beat them by like, 15, 20, 25 points. Yeah, Yeah. 15 to 20 points, like, every night, which is a tall order. But if they do it, um, then I think, you know, that might – that'll help – that'll certainly help them. I don't don't know how they'll compare to the other, like, 10 and 11 and 12 seeds. But, you know, dominating your conference is always – is always going to help you. Yeah. yeah. And this, this is one of the reasons that, like, all the people that hate metrics, I get it. You don't want to just look at numbers and say, hey, this team looks good. But how am I supposed to compare Indiana State to Boise State? Mm-hmm. For, like, you have to use something tangible to be right. – I can look at those two teams play in conference play. I've watched both of them play a lot. I can tell you Boise State looks better. But also, I can tell you Indiana State has the better res- – like, not resume, but, like, the better metrics and looks just 
to be a little bit ahead of Boise right now. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the reasons we have to rely on metrics to kind of help us guide seating. Um, it's so hard with these middle of the road teams. It's a little bit easier with the SEC and the power conference to kind of say, hey, they've beaten a bunch of three seeds or a bunch of five seeds compared to whoever hasn't. But it's a lot harder to do with some of these teams that don't get the opportunities. Like Princeton, you know, you see them 32 in the net. They have a, they're 15th in strength of record, but 43 in KPI, which is interesting that the two resume metrics would be so wide in, in range. But then they have, they don't have a quadrant one game on their schedule. They, they're one of their quadrant two wins went dropped to quadrant three, which was Hofstra. Yeah. And then you look at their quadrant two area, the Duquesne win should stay the quadrant two, but the Rutgers win that's a neutral court is at a hundred literally. And one spot lower, it's quadrant three. Delaware is at 133. That's a road win. Three spots lower, it's quadrant three. So they could wake up tomorrow or Monday, whatever, and have one and one in quadrant two only. Yeah. And then at that point, we'll start really looking at Princeton one thing that a lot of people have done with Princeton is they've kept them up because of their um, road record. Which I have, too. Like, I know, yeah, I was going to say, I know Michael's, like, resume. I think he, are they still in your top 25? Yes, I uh, have them at, what, 17, because I, I just can't drop them just for not losing. Yeah. But once they That's- do lose, and this and today they're playing one of the games that if they're going to take a loss in league play, this would be the place to take it. It's at Cornell. They'll drop if they do. I'd, for if me. they're going to lose, I think it'll be one of the next two games because yeah. they have Cornell and Yale both on the road. I mean, that's not to say that like Penn or somebody couldn't knock them off, but <laughs> that's kind of my guess is they'll take one here in the next couple of days and this will all be moved. Um, yep. The Ivy League winner will probably end up on the 12 line. Um, yep. If it's Princeton, maybe an 11. Yeah. I don't know that Princeton's making it as an at-large with this resume. We'll see. If, like I said, if they're going to take a loss and still be, have, a, have an at-large pace, this is the one. The yeah. One of these two is, is the next is the one to take. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Any other questions for me? Or should I turn it over to Michael? I, I don't have any. Okay. Mike, you want to go ahead with your bubble watch and just kind of talk about whatever I missed? Yeah. So, first off, newsflash. This won't surprise anyone, but Purdue is a lock. Big surprise, <laughs> I know. Um, 18, 18 and 2, they got, I think, they're 11 and 2 in quadrant 1 and 2. Way too many good wins to not be in the tournament, even if they were to somehow lose their remaining games, which is not going to happen anyway. Yeah. Um. I think the ones that are the next closest to being locks are Houston, UConn, North Carolina is getting really close too. Yeah. Um, those are the ones that are the closest for me. As far as the ones that I'm kind of concerned about that I have in my near lock area, which is why you don't make teams locks too early, is Duke. When you look at the resume, now their three, their three quadrant one wins are very good. Uh, Michigan State, Baylor, and they wanted Pitt. And the big thing is all three are away from home. Yeah. That matters a lot. However, those are their only, those three wins are their only quadrant one and two wins. 11 of their 14 wins are quadrant three and four, when, which surprises me. If they were to lose today to Clemson at home, 
and fall to three and five overall in quadrant one and two, I would probably drop them back to the bubble section. Not saying they're anywhere close to being not in the tournament, but there's kind of a threshold between bubble and near lot that you want to see at about a good 75% likelihood that they're in, that they're going to make it to put them in near lock. And if they lose today, it would probably drop them below that threshold. Yeah. Uh, the other one that I'm a little concerned about that I put up in near lock is Oklahoma after dropping that home game uh, to uh, Texas. A team that, you know, it was kind of borderline top 25 that's in that near lock discussion should win that game at home. And if they were to drop another game this weekend, I would probably drop them back down too. Uh, Arizona, why do you do this to us? <laughs> I, I, they're, they're no, they're not in any danger of dropping down to the bubble, but just why win, win, win the games you're supposed to win. Yeah. Please. Just do it. Um, we, we've touched on some of the uh, kind of highlighted ones. Villanova, uh, Michigan State. They need – they. fortunately for Michigan State, the rest of their schedule leaves them a pretty good chance to do well the rest of the season. Yeah. But yeah, they, they have, have potentially one more loss. Well, okay, they're projected to lose to Purdue, and then they have – maybe a toss-up game at home against Illinois, and then everything else, they have, like, at least a 60% chance of winning. Okay. So that moves that moves that kind of off of, like, toss-up territory and more towards, like, you know, that's more of, like, they should win that game. Yeah. So if, if Michigan State goes the rest of the way and only loses to, to Purdue and Illinois – they will be in the tournament pretty easily. Yes. Right. They'll be a digit seed. Yeah. But, but yeah. But if they lose to Illinois, Purdue, and say, I don't know, Michigan or Maryland at home, they could be in trouble. If they're gonna take a third loss, they probably would want it to be, you know, on the road somewhere, Indiana, Michigan, really rather not lose to Michigan. Or maybe yeah. Minnesota. I so they, their yeah. closest. So Illinois, they currently have a sixty point three percent chance of winning. Minnesota okay. or at Michigan uh, is sixty two point six, and then at Minnesota sixty five point two. Those are the closest ones. To but be notice that none of those are like above seventy. Yeah, right. So that matters. I mean, playing on the Big Ten is hard. Yeah, um, but they're not. It obviously they're they're winnable games. Sure, absolutely. And but they're going <clears> to <throat> need to win them, most of them. When they need to stop having games like they did last night, like they, I mean, they just got blown off the court. Yeah, they yeah. did the same thing versus Northwestern or at Northwestern. Um, Wisconsin did it to them twice. Um, Looking back at their schedule, they played competitive with Arizona. They lost to Duke by nine. Uh, I mean, it'd be nice if we could see them lose competitive games. There's not a ton of tournament teams on their resume right now, or their right. remaining schedule. Yeah. I mean, Ohio. Illinois, oh, Illinois and Purdue. Yeah. Illinois, Purdue are the only two that I would like put in that near lock category. Yep. Uh, the rest of them are 
bubble teams or completely out. And mm-hmm. most of them are completely out. So it's not yeah. a great schedule to gain resume points. The good thing is they don't need to gain more resume. Like they don't need to build on their resume to get in. They just need to win games that they're supposed to. Yeah. I will say we talked about it. They are two and seven in quadrant one. We talked about that with bubble teams earlier. That could very well play into uh, the issues with seeding them here in a couple months or a couple weeks. Yeah, it's kind of like Mike said. Like it's kind of like you you know you take a loss you're not supposed to, and then it's like okay now what? Like are they? What side of the bubble are they on? That yeah. kind of thing. I I see people that are like wanting to move them out after losing last night. I have them the eleven seed that I have them at right now is after the loss. I had them at the bottom of the ten line. I could understand if you wanted to drop them further, but I just don't see it yet. Um, but I don't like where they're at. I don't know what to do with them. Uh, For sure, going to be if they drop one of these next two games, they have Michigan and Maryland at home. If they would somehow mess around and drop the, one of these, it'd be a real issue. So getting into some questions from a couple of uh, Twitter followers, um, we'll start with SC Sports. Um, he asked us to discuss Pitt and the bubble and who do you think we could make a sneaky run in the tournament? Um, Michael, where's Pitt on your bubble? So, so after Pitt won at Duke and then won again this past week, um, I put them back onto the fringe. They, they they still just have a long way to go. Yeah. Um, and this is the thing about Duke being good, but we don't know how good. And that's a great win that they have, but they need more than that. Uh, I, I, I have them – they're greater than 20 spots out for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I go 20 deep. I scrub 20 deep after the seed line, like after my bracket. So that way I don't miss any teams that should be in that I may have forgotten about. So, okay, here's Pitt. So there's 66 in the net, 92 in in, uh, KPI, 95 in strength of record. That just isn't good enough. Yeah. Yeah, that's predictive. Are okay. BPI is 52. Why do we need BPI? I don't know. Uh, And Ken Palm is 68. So top 25 for me. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> in the land of getting teams in the tournament, we like seeing teams that don't have 83% of their wins in quadrant three and four. Yeah. Uh, they have two in the first two quadrants, Duke and Georgia tech. And Georgia tech is a few spots from being quadrant three. Yeah. So there ain't <laughs> much there. Yeah. And, and there doesn't expect enough opportunity either like i they have 13 games left they're gonna have to win probably nine or ten of them yeah and i don't know that they're gonna do that (laughs) um pitt's got wake forest pitt's got miami today they may need that one if they don't they certainly need to beat wake forest notre dame louisville virginia tech florida state NC State at home. Yeah. Those are like non-negotiable. And Absolutely. they're probably going to have to get one of the road games between NC State and or Virginia. They're going to need to get one, you know, at least one of these road games from Wake Forest, Clemson, Boston College. We'll see. It's yeah. 
I'm not even sure 10 is good enough at this point because I'm not yeah. seeing enough. The only team that they play the rest of the way that we think is solidly in the field is Clemson. That's it. Yeah. Everyone else is either, you know, way out or barely or on the bubble. Yeah. How many teams did you have from uh, the HCC in, in your field? Was it just Clemson, Duke, and North Carolina? Yes. Yeah. Uh, at Wake and yeah. Virginia. And all of them are like right on the cusp of being in, right? But they're not there yet, and there's just not enough opportunity for great wins, yeah. Um, honestly, so I think, yeah, that pretty much covers it. Um, for sneaky tournament run, Zach, who do you think? Oh, for a sneaky tournament run, huh? Um, let's see. Um, come back to me, okay? I'll go. Um, so, taking an automatic qualifier, um, I, Samford has looked good. I know they just lost to Furman, but they impressed me. Um, we always talk 5-12 upsets. If they drew a team like Duke or somebody, I could see some fun 5-12 kind of upset going there. Mm-hmm. Um, for a deeper run, St. John's is going to be good. Um, Patino will have them peaking at the tournament time. So they could I be- love it, Hunter contender for a deep run they're not winning the big east but deep run in the tournament maybe michael what do you think i'm i i know they have i know they've lost some games in league play but colorado state showing that they can beat creighton by 21 points yeah when you get once you get out of the out of your league where you're no longer playing san diego state nevada new mexico all these teams on the road they're a tough team. Well, we see players shine in the tournament. So Isaiah Stevens could just go shine. Yep. Colorado State. Like, that's the kind of thing that carries you into the next round and the next round. And so that's and if you're looking for a team that, you know, could pull like an upset or two also, maybe St. Mary's, if, you know, they're playing a lot better than they were earlier in the season. Yeah. St. Mary's, though, I have them as a nine. So, I mean – I'm just not sure they'd end up being that high right now. Maybe, but... Maybe, but I, yeah. I don't know what to do with them, to be honest. I, I still can't get over it. What was that, 76 to 28 the other day? They dropped spots in the metrics. Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. It's interesting. All right, Zach, what do you got? All right. I will... I'm hesitant to say it, but I'm going to go with New Mexico like as... It at least a sweet 16 team um possibly an elite eight i don't where do you have them right now hunter I have them as are a, they bubble no no um they've done enough for right now to get up off the bubble a little bit i mean they're that's still technically like bubbly but they've got done enough to kind of get up into the single digit range for now okay so yeah uh I mean, they could run into, like, Houston or maybe Purdue um, if if they're, like, an 8 or a 9. Yeah. But I think if they, if they get one of the two seeds, if they do enough to either um, – to at least stay – either jump up to a 7 or fall to a 10, I think – they're still they're still a dangerous team for any of like the two seeds, um. So, I will say them, 
And I will also say Iowa State. I I don't know if they're I don't know if they're final four good, but I I think they're they're probably gonna end up in in my opinion, they'll probably be underseeded um because of their non conference schedule and um they'll they'll make a deep run. You're really trying to hang up on that uh number two overall. Number two, yeah, you're a top twenty. It's <laughs> yeah, but it's not just me. It's like I know. I think Ken Palm has them as a as like thirteen or fourteen. Yeah. Something like that. I and Bart to... Torvik is pretty high on them. Like they're they're starting to pick up they're putting everybody on notice. We'll get to you for now. So one thing that I wrote about New Mexico was that I think they're just in a in a weird spot. They they're as a whole, their resume looks great. Sixteen and three, twenty in the net. Um yeah. resume metrics are average twenty nine and a half, predictive average thirty five. Three and three in, in the first two, in the first two quadrants, and no bad losses. That all looks great. The one thing that's an issue to me is that in their three quadrant one and two wins, all of them are the bottom half of it. So they're all like the quadrant, you know, one one B or quadrant two B. Yeah. And what's what's odd to me is if we're gonna treat the Mountain West like a power conference, which I am, I think more more of us are at least the past two or three years, then we we'd say the same thing like we were saying with um, say like Ole Miss, where it's like okay, you're sixteen and three, but thirteen of your wins are quadrant three and four, and right. none of them are away from home, so they may need to get one of those games against. San Diego State, Colorado State, Nevada, Boise State on the road. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have to see. But the only thing they can worry about now is protecting their protecting the pit against Nevada and Boise State. Yeah. And that would go a long way to helping solidify their uh, spot. Mm-hmm. So which of the which of the Mountain West teams is on the shakiest ground? Nevada. Like they're in, but Nevada. Okay. Nevada and then New Mexico to me. Yeah. Um, Utah State hasn't done anything bad this year. Um, they have no losses outside of quad one. Um, they have a bunch of quad two wins. They could use another quad one win. And they're going to have the chance at home. Yeah. And then New Mexico would be the second to worst. And then Nevada is my last team in the tournament right now. So they're very shaky. Nevada, yeah. They really needed that Colorado State when They lost three in a row. They had just lost to Wyoming. And, and they were out after the Wyoming yeah. loss. And like so, Hunter, is Boise in or out? In. In, okay. And um, I think more comfortably than people think. Yeah. Uh, they're at 10, but they're pretty, like, stable. Um, I would say New Mexico's less stable than Boise right now, even though New Mexico's two seedlines higher. They, Sandy, I'm oh, sorry, Boise State actually of the Mountain West teams in that, you know, kind of contention for a spot. They actually have the most quadrant one wins for the yeah. four. Yeah, I think Boise will be okay. So moving on to Zach actually had a question for us. We'll keep this one quick. But if you could change one of the conference championship picks from a few weeks ago, who would it be and why? And who replaces them? I'll start. Mine was Kansas. I picked Kansas to win the Big 12. Um, 
Kansas has played down to their opponents. Um, I don't like where they're at right now. Um, give me Houston to win the Big 12. I uh, I think I would have to revisit the uh, picking of Texas A&M. I, I, I liked how they played in the, in the non-conference, uh, but they've struggled somewhat in the league. I think they should be a little higher than where they are like in some of their metrics and whatnot, but they're clearly not going to win the SEC. I probably should have picked Tennessee or, I don't know, Alabama or Auburn, one of them. <laughs> yeah. I I said St. John's for the Big East. <laughs> Finally. Yeah, and I think I'm going to have to go with Connecticut. Um, really stepping out there. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. All right, all right. That's enough. That's enough. This is taking, like, this is taking so much out of me to say <laughs> these things. But, yeah, I... I think St. John's is a good team. I agree with Hunter. I think they're a dangerous team come tournament time. But they've lost a game or two that I didn't really anticipate them losing. Yeah. And I think that's just they have a steep hill to climb. Like if they if they do it, if they end up winning it, I will regret this conversation and I will also give Hunter and Mike a whole bunch of crap. Um, but I just you won't have to, as okay. of right now. I think Connecticut is just um, they've weathered they've weathered the storm. Klingon's been out, but I, their only loss was at Seton Hall. Um, so yeah, I I I think they've got what it takes to to win the conference and. Um, you know, even make a deep tournament run. Fair enough. So we'll move on to um, Rekha Matt. I gave him a shout out at the beginning. He had a couple questions. Um, first is what has to happen for Memphis to miss the tournament? Um, Michael, I think I'll let you talk on this, but they have 12 games left. They have four quadrant one games, six quadrant three games, and two quadrant four games. What do you think? So let's see. I have Memphis needing to win eight to nine of their last 12 games to make it. So let's put it this way. If they were to only go seven and five or six and six against what they have left, they could be in trouble. I doubt they're going to, but you know, if, you know, if Memphis were to take a really bad, you know, and they, and they flirt with it almost every game, it feels like. uh, Yeah. Memphis, They've done a lot of Memphis is down. now down to 58 in the net. So, like, if they were to lose to Rice on Wednesday, that would really be a problem. Uh, you don't, you, they certainly need to not lose to Rice. They don't want to lose to, say, Tulane or UAB. They don't want to lose to East Carolina. There are some teams that they could lose to to where it could – Make them have to do more than I more than we think, and yeah. also if 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 Clemson and Texas A and M and whatnot struggle more, that also would hurt too. Yeah, and I don't think this was. A, I mean, uh, obviously a user like a follower question. I don't think they're close to missing, but no. there is yeah. a path for them to miss. Yeah. but it's going to involve a lot of losing to some of these quad three games. Like, 
I guess the best way of putting it is if they lose, if they get, say they get swept by FAU and then they drop game and then they lose to uh, SMU and North Texas on the road and then take another bet, take another loss besides that. Yeah. Then you could see them missing. Yeah. Especially if it's to Rice or Wichita State. Yes. Yeah. They need to win the two quad four games. I was really actually shocked when I looked at the uh, AAC standings and saw that Wichita State was winless in the conference. Yeah, it's it's been a hard fall for from Grace for them for sure. Yeah. Uh, so Matt's second question was, "What's Creighton's ceiling as far as seeding, and how far can they go in the tournament?" So if they would do something crazy and go undefeated the rest of the year and end up winning the Big East, they could get a two. Yeah. Um, I don't know that they'd get up to the one line, um, but they could definitely get a two. Um, I have them as final four can potential. Um, if they get hot, I mean, tournaments aren't you play 10 or 12 people tournaments are you play six or seven and they get hot and you win. Um, they have the three point shooting to do it if they get hot. So I, I, in the last top 25, I moved uh, Creighton up to 11 which is in your three seed range hunter. Um, yeah. And since then they, uh, they went out and did they beat anyone since month? Yeah. They beat Xavier at home in a, in a game that was kind of a crazy one. Yeah. And, and Al- Ray Alexander carried him. That's what we talked about. Like Isaiah Stevens for yeah. Colorado State. That's exactly what Alexander did for Creighton. And they get to Paul uh, today. So, Oh, that's going to be, don't jinx them. <laughs> DePaul, DePaul, this is going to be like a 40-point win. It should be. I mean, DePaul is going to beat somebody. I don't know who it is, but DePaul is going to beat somebody in the Big East. In, in Division One. In the Big East. Okay. We'll see. Maybe Georgetown. I didn't say who it was going to be. I just said they'll do it. Okay. They do it every year. They beat somebody they're not supposed to. Yeah, but this is like the worst they've been. Well, absolutely. This is awful. Zach, do you have any comments on Creighton? Yeah. So, an update to the uh, sort of predictive metrics consensus on them. Um, This is as of January 22nd. So, uh, prior to the Xavier win. Um, But, uh, for projected losses left uh providence and xavier on the road uh st john's on the road and villanova on the road but all of those are in the 40s the 40 percent uh chances um so those could easily flip to wins they've got maybe i mean i guess you know, if we're going to look at like 70% as being like, you know, pretty good chance, they've got like maybe three more toss up games at Butler. That's a 54.7% chance. Uh, home against Connecticut, they have a 60.4% chance of winning that game. And home against Marquette, they have a 66% chance of winning. Um, so you, I mean, it's like they might only have four more wins yeah. depending on 
on how things shake out. DePaul at home, Butler at home, Georgetown at home, and Seton Hall at home. Um, then again, they could win, like, maybe all but two. Yeah. So, um, uh, those are kind of uh, things to keep an eye on. I don't know exactly where that puts them as far as seeding goes. I would say at, in the tournament, I think they're they're a Sweet 16, maybe an Elite 8 team. And that's kind of where I had them when we last discussed Creighton. Yeah. Um, so I'm not really... I don't really see them being a Final Four team, but I also don't see them, like, losing in the first weekend, yeah. basically, is kind of where I'm at. That's fair. Um, I mean, I picked, I said Final Four, not as a, I think Creighton's going to the Final Four, because I don't. But if they get hot, I mean, Kalkbrenner's a rim presence. If they get hot from three on top of that, you can talk about it. So And, and they're definitely capable of that. Yeah. Like, that's kind of their bread and butter is like making threes at a high rate or at a high um like taking and making a lot of threes. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's a decent spread for where Creighton could end up, I think, on the seed line too. So yeah. Um yeah. High ceiling, very low floor. Absolutely. Potentially. So moving on to Gavin Benz's question, I think we might be doing some of this without Michael. He'll rejoin when the uh, fire alarm decides to cooperate. Um, Gavin Benz uh, commented, uh, he's a North Carolina follower, been on a couple times. Um, what happened to the ACC? They went from three one seeds in 2019 to maybe five total in 2024. The fall from grace has been insane. Five total bids is what he meant, not five one seeds. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. Um I want to say it's probably got something to do with Duke not being as good as they had been. Um, I mean, you lost Coach K and you lost Williams, so that hurts. Um, but then also, the transfer portal in NIL hasn't been kind to the ACC. Other than Miami, who's really like been prolific in it. Like None of the teams really stand out. Um, Syracuse has taken a big step back, which has really hurt. Um, and then Louisville. <laughs> You take Louisville, and that really – I mean, that's another perennial tournament team. That really hurts. Um, same thing about Notre Dame. Mike Bray's last year, and then this year, it's really just – those are teams that we expect to be good year in, year out, and they're just not. So, yeah, I um, I think just some of the the administration of the conference just hasn't – um, played out very well uh, yeah. for the ACC as a whole. And then I just, what what's the identity? Like, it's the Atlantic Coast Conference. And I mean, I guess, you know, quite a few of the teams are still, like, on the coast. But, like, they've added no... Notre Dame, they've added Louisville, they've added um, some of the the former Big East teams. And I just don't know that it's it's kind of watered down some of the rivalries. Yeah. It's um, 
again. <laughs> welcome, welcome. We're talking about the ACC. I heard a little. I was walking in. Okay. And yeah, I just um, it it's kind of, I think it's kind of ruined some of the intensity of of college basketball. Yeah. For for the conference. Um. Well, it's not like it's a football conference either. Like it's it almost seems like a lost conference at this point. Yeah, it I mean, it really had like again. There's there's no identi- identity, yeah. and they kind of build themselves as one of like the premier basketball conferences, and now it's like again, Hunter, like you mentioned, there's like three three ACC teams in the field. And then there's a whole bunch yeah. on the bubble, and then you know, still several like just completely removed. Absolutely. And it's like, like yeah, you're not a, you can't really call yourself a basketball conference when you're regularly only putting in, well, you're you're putting in as many teams in the field as the Mountain West. Yeah, when. Well, to call yourself a basketball conference and to kind of like re-identify, look at what the Big Twelve has done. Mm-hmm. They lost Texas and Oklahoma next year. Those are football programs first. Yep. They are going to kind of rebrand, especially with who they're bringing in from the Pac-12. They're rebranding as a basketball conference first, and it's going to be a very, very good basketball conference. Mm-hmm. It's already yeah. country. It's going to stay that way. Yeah, look I'm, at, I'm, I'm looking up. forward. I'm looking forward to Arizona, Kansas going at it yes. at least once a season. Like that is going to be fun. Yeah. I don't love conference realignment obviously, but you know that at least is is going to be one of the the good things. Hopefully like game that'll be hopefully one of the games to circle every single year. Yeah, and I'm not looking for, I'm not looking forward to the Big 20. Yeah, not looking yeah. forward to realignment, but if we got to pick positives, that's a positive. Um, big what I was going to mention about the ACC is I think maybe you guys may have already mentioned this, but when you look at some of like the kind of like, you know, cornerstone, like, you know, teams like Duke, Carolina, um, Syracuse, Louisville, they all had like these really big name coaches. And then yeah. at least in the case of Duke and North Carolina, you know, they retired. Um, obviously both Jim Beheim, we can talk about whether he was fired, let go, whatever, but the last few years he was kind of running the program into the ground anyway. Yeah. It needed to happen. And then we, all yeah, have- some of those coaching changes, it's been kind of like, it, it's been time like coach K and Roy Williams. Yeah. That's hurt, but maybe it was time. Like, They've been at it for so long. Um, Those two were just legends that were ready to not have to deal with the new era of basketball and kind of just... Yeah. <laughs> which and it, which it, is it, understandable at their age. Absolutely. And same right. with um, Boheim. Like, yeah. Same exact thing. Um, I think we can get into the ACC and realignment a little bit more um, after the season, yeah. but that's kind of just where they're at. I think they need to embrace the portal mm-hmm. and they need to find NIL money a little bit better. Um I think those are two things they struggle with from what I've seen um, just kind of outwardly on Twitter. How is UCLA uh, ever going to find the NIL money? What? Remember how um, 
McCrona was complaining about how like the um, UCLA wasn't getting enough oh. NIL money. Oh yeah. Jeez. Don't no. Not even starting on Cronin today. I don't have the energy for that. <laughs> um, College Sports 24-7 asked, what do we make of FAU? Um, they're an overhyped mid-major team like we have every year. They mm-hmm. went to the Final Four. They returned a lot of people. They can't play with a target on their back very well. I don't think there's much more to it for me. And it's hard playing with a target on your back. And the AAC is a little better than Conference USA. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Sam Houston State is the winner of the CAUSA right now, and they are at the last 15 seats. And they're not like, even, like, as good as Sam Houston State was last year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Good conference at all. They moved up in competition, and they're seeing what happens when you move up in competition. That being said, they might still win a game or two. I mean, they did beat – they beat Arizona, right? Yeah. 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 It happened. I mean, they could still go out and do some damage, but they're just, it's an overhyped mid major team having trouble playing with a target. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so we'll move to AJ Aramento, will be our last questions. Um, what do we make of Gonzaga's season? We think make the tournament, and what do they, what do they need to do to make the tournament? Do we think they'll get there? Um, they got to win a lot to make the tournament. Um, and a lot big. Yep. And they need, or, yeah, their metrics are good. Their predictives look good, so that helps. But they need to keep winning big. They need to beat St. Mary's. Um, I think they play next weekend. Um, that's a big game. Um, they need to beat San Francisco. Um, and then, honestly, the best way for them to get into the tournament is just to win the tournament. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know. They don't have a ton on their resume. That Kentucky game is going to be huge. Um, like, yeah. we can't understand. Like, that can't be overstated. Like, that is the entire of season for Gonzaga is on that game. So, some obvious things. Gonzaga has to beat Pacific, obviously. 357 in the net. Uh, Portland, LMU, Pacific again. Portland, Santa Clara. And between San Francisco, St. Mary's, Kentucky, and the other St. Mary's game, if they don't, if they don't beat Kentucky, they probably have to win the other three. Yeah. If they do beat Kentucky, they might only have to win two of the other ones. Yeah. I mean, I had Gonzaga tenth out yeah. right now. So they need they need several good wins to get up into the field. Their best win, I think, was it Syracuse or or USC? That's about it. Either one's not good. Either one's so not good. Syracuse. And Syracuse getting thumped earlier in the week did not help. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, I mean, what is nice for them is that they are now 3-2 and in Quadrant 2, but they're still 0-4 in in Q1. Yeah. So. Final question from AJ. Um, Does the Big 12 get 10 teams into the tournament? 10? No. No. I don't think so. I mean, there's three on the last four in right now. I do have nine in right now, I think. Um, So I think – all right, let's see. So I think Oklahoma State – so there's 14 in the league, right? Yeah. So West Virginia and Oklahoma State, they're not going to get in. Absolutely. Um, I don't think – so then you're down to 12. I don't think UCF will get in, so we're down to 11. And I really don't think Cincinnati will get in either. So then you're down to 10. Right. 
that's let's see. Cincinnati, UCF, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia that I don't think will make it. So then we're looking at ten. I somebody else isn't gonna make it. I don't know if it's gonna be TCU. I don't know if it's gonna be Texas. I don't but at least one or two of the other ones are not gonna make it either. Yeah. And I actually lied. I have ten in right now. Okay. But like I said, three of them are last four in playing in Dayton right now. They're a bit, one of those is going to get dropped. If we were ending the season right now, I think that Colorado or Wake Forest would probably get pushed in over. Yeah. Um, mainly because of this non-conference strength of schedule is just so poor. So I think we are probably talking nine. Um, and like if Cornell beats Princeton in the Ivy League tournament, there goes one. Yeah. So I think it could be really fun, like a really interesting thing to watch, but I don't know that they'll get 10 in. Yeah. I think that the Big 12 is going to kind of, like, at least, um, I don't know if it'll be, like, Texas or uh, Texas Tech or TCU or, but I, I feel like some of those other teams um, are probably going to, they're at risk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Texas Tech should be in that at-risk category, to be honest. Yeah, that's I think fair. If you're going to put anybody in the at-risk, it'd be Oklahoma compared to Tech. Yeah. Um, just yeah. Tech doesn't have a bad loss, and they probably won't take one. Um, yeah, they're 9-0 and in Quadrant 4, but they're also 2-3 and in Quadrant 1 now. Uh, Oklahoma does have the Quadrant 2 loss, so, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I want Matt to come at us for saying Texas Tech because they really don't deserve to be on that at-risk category. Okay, all right. I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, he keeps I'll recant for that, but <laughs> what's that? Said he keeps us on. Yeah, he does. But, yeah, I, I think it's probably more likely to be seven or eight yeah. for the Big 12. Seven? I don't know about seven, but I think, to be honest, I feel like that's maybe more likely than ten. I don't know. I think I'd take ten over seven. All right. Well, you are the bracketologist, so don't listen to me. Listen to Hunter. I mean, one of Kansas State, Texas, TCU, and Cincinnati, two of them are going to start winning some games to get in. So, I mean, I I think seven's a little short. Um, I think Nine's probably most likely, followed by eight, and then ten. Okay. So you think ten yeah, is more likely than seven? Yes. I don't know. We'll have to see how this how this all transpires. I guess you know. I don't know. There's no dominant team. We talked about no, last I know. week. Question, but there's no dominant team to like go beat everybody. So it's not impossible for Texas to go beat Houston or something like that. Like those games are going to matter and. Some of these big wins, like Texas has three quadrant one wins now. Like that matters. It does. Um, I'm yeah. Not, I'm, the, the Texas Tech is is interesting one because, you know, they only have two quadrant one wins. And there was, I think uh, we have Texas A&M obviously from the SEC on the eight, nine line. I, I, I know the records are quite different, 16 and three to like, you know, whatever it is, 12 and seven. But Texas A&M has twice the quadrant one quadrant one wins that texas tech has and they played so a better that, schedule 
if you get a ton of opportunities and you don't take yeah, them, then like you don't deserve it. Now, if Texas Tech goes out and loses eight, nine more games, then we'll have a different conversation. Yeah. Like right now, fifteen and three and two and three in quadrant one with no losses outside of quadrant one. Yeah, I can't. They're anywhere close to being in danger. That's true. Somebody from the Big Twelve is going to get cannibalized, and maybe two teams. Um, I'd say TCU, Texas, Kansas State, Cincinnati. Two of those teams might get just eaten up. Mm-hmm. Would be my guess. Yeah. Well, any other questions, guys, or anything you wanted to mention? I think we're okay. I think I'm good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Sorry, this one went a little bit longer. Um, next week on Tuesday, we'll have our normal top 25 episode. And then we're going to run with uh, T3 on the second. Um, so I'll have an episode out on the third for you guys that'll have T3 bracketology on it as well. Um, so it'll be a heavy bracketology episode, but it should be some great insight. He's one of the better ones that do it. So look forward to that. Um, we'll be back after that with our normal scheduled programming. Um, thanks for listening. We appreciate all of you guys. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Thanks, guys.